Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 280 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome! In this episode I talk to Martin Johnston of Upper Room Games about their sine wave based dexterity game, Wavy the Rocket. Now it's a bit hard to describe and explain so rather than me do it now, why don't you just pop along to YouTube and search for Kana Rince Streams and Wavy the Rocket where you should find episode 77 of Kana Rince Streams, which we do by the way. Every Sunday, at least I do. There's also streams on Fridays and, and Mondays. But yeah, if you go to uh, twitch.tv forward slash Kane and Rinse, you'll find our channel. You can follow it. It's great. I, I stream every Sunday. Random game. Sometimes games I feature on this very show. So yeah. Anyway, shall we uh, listen to me from the past talk to Martin? Yes. Um, Chris, from about don't know, six weeks ago. If you'd be so kind. Thank you. Martin. Hello. Who are you and what do you do? Hi. Uh, well, I, I'm Martin Johnston. I'm one of the directors at Uproom Games. Um, my uh, my work on that team is uh, primarily as a designer and also doing the like the day to day operations of the of the company. Here you go. First question answered. Relatively straightforward. Well done. I can be more patronising if you like, but I won't be. <laughs> Second question. How did you make your start making video games? Um, I, 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 I wouldn't say that I've, I, I have a particularly long career in video games. Uh, I, I, you know, if we went back to uh, my childhood in terms of like actually falling in love with games, I think that is kind of what causes that spark to want to create something. Um, but in terms of actual development, I've, uh, I'd say it'd probably be about like eight years or so ago uh, when I moved to London and downloaded Unity and started tinkering and looking for developing some side skills. Um, and 
giving it a go and then moving on to doing like game jams and uh, talking to other people that were doing game jams. Um, and then I also had a, I'd say another big kind of like learning cur curve, which helped propel me into, into a lot of design was when I started picking up uh, tabletop RPGs and uh, playing a lot of those and just exploring that realm because it, uh, it is a very different realm from video games directly, uh, but you, you can learn a lot from, from doing that. And then working on like my own my own rule sets and um, uh, developing a like a card based tabletop RPG was a passion project for mine for a couple of years, um, and that helped. Well, I I, I kind of knew the other people inside Upper Room Games anyway, but you know as we as we kept in touch and uh, and kind of talked to each other about it, I, I eventually got kind of absorbed into into that that team as they were going on to take uh, what started with them as a game jam for maybe the rocket and, and move it into a full fledged, full fledged uh, game. It's interesting. You mentioned pen and paper or tabletop RPGs, whatever we call them. Now get confused because people aren't mm -hmm. using pen and paper these days, using their bloody iPads, which is fine. Um, but um, no, I have a great deal of experience in that realm too. And I can definitely understand and appreciate the concept of game design actually is very strong in that realm. In fact, the level of creativity on the part of the uh, game master is quite a lot, uh, depending on the game you're playing. I mean, if it's fate, you could spit it out in five minutes. But um, for its for its both through its strength and detriment. But that's a discussion for another time. Um, but uh, just to hear you talk about that and and and, and how it's. It does. You, there are skills in that aspects of design. It's it's really about empathy. Um, and like, well, you're making this experience, but is it fun? I don't like to use the phrase. I just realised not every role playing game has to be fun in inverted commas. But you get my meaning. You know, is this a compelling experience? Again, another another trite I, phrase, but it's it's difficult. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. I, I love the amount of control you have as a, as a DM, um, even when you and and like the discussions about how to do things the right way. I I, I like I follow a lot of games that even though I I don't play them or I started playing them and I stopped playing them and then I I still follow the communities and and see how people interpret things and mm. uh, you know what you consider to be like the the illusion that you have inside uh, um, tabletop or pen and paper RPGs and uh, such as uh, like what like. Well, some of my favorite discussions are are around like the concept of fluffing dice rolls and stuff as the DM and mm -hmm. and and just like how the sheer idea of it like breaks it, it breaks away from the illusion that players must have when they're when they're playing mm -hmm. their characters and and taking part in your campaign. But at the same time, you're doing it because you know this is the best experience for someone to have. Um, I, I can't even tell you whether or not it's the you know it's the right or wrong thing to do because. Um, yeah, it, it, it's very interesting. There's a lot. I, I think there's a lot that people can learn from it. And mm. seeing a lot of designers uh, in the industry talk about, you know, how they learn from D and D. It's only when I like kind of came out the came out the other side um, that I can I can I can really appreciate that and and see how many people do learn a lot from from just playing tabletop RPGs and and seeing that experience uh, uh, even just within their their own friend group. It's the experience. You've used the word multiple times there. That's what it's about. You may think, well, hang on, you've made this you know, very, you know, precise arcade puzzle game. I can't. I'm trying to describe it and with with Wavy the Rocket. Where it's just like, how is that anything to do 
with two D10s. Well, you know, and uh, you and I could go on, which I'm not going to, about, you know, fluffing dice. And my argument was, would be on that. Well, if you're rolling the dice and you're going to fluff them, why are you rolling them in the first place? But that's that's a whole because you're right. There are concepts and, and times when you look at you have to read the room and everyone around you going, do I really want to do whatever I'm going to do to that player, knowing that it could cause you know it's just human beings. You can't you know. Yeah. But I'm personally I'm quite abrupt and I rely on the modelling of the chance in the game and the system. And if it says one, or if it says 99, depending on the game you're playing, then it, that's what it is. That's what that's it what is. It is, yeah. Otherwise, otherwise the whole system breaks down if you're, exactly. if you're not going to follow it, right? If you're not going to embrace it. Time, exactly. are you there playing the game yourself? Are you there entertaining the other people that are around you yeah. and, and, and the experience is. that they're having? And Yeah, so there's no hard and fast rule on it. I mean, least of all with fate. I mean, that's just like... I mean, the game, they're called fudge dice. <laughs> so anyway... We digress, yeah. and it's a wonderful story that you told us, and the fact that you embraced Unity and delved into that and C Sharp, no doubt, because you can't do one without the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my humble opinion, you may disagree. Um, then that's a, that's a great story to actually show how, you know, and the game jam, that was a really good thing to actually delve into. I'm sure there are now virtual game jams at the time of recording. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, that's a great sort of uh, little short story, and this is something to learn by. To learn from. Um, so the next question, yeah, the nebulous one that I still dread to ask. But as a creative entity that is Upper Room Games, what do you believe your greatest influences are? Um, I, I like that you asked the question. I, I, I just want to point out, I like that the, the question is uh, influences rather than like inspirations. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not just... it's. It's it's what actually like steers the course rather than just causes the spark. Um, no pun intended, of, of course. Yeah. Steers, steers the, can't help myself. Um, <laughs> um, so other than basic maths and you know uh, cosines and sines, other than that, what 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 tickles your fancy? What what's the thing you find yourself orbiting and realizing that oh well, this we keep on going back to this point. So I, I think um, I, I, I'm going to answer like I would say like 80% of this answer is me, but I believe it's also applicable for the, the rest of the people in the team. Uh, it's that it's to do with how uh, like obviously we're all influenced by other games that are out there um, and are, are in the marketplace. And but I'd, I'd say 80% of it is or sorry, again, 80% of this is me. I think it is applicable to the rest of the to the rest of the team is seeing how people play them or play them in different ways uh, or play games in different ways and what their goals are to get out of those games. And I, I mean that in a form of like analysis when we when we look at like uh, speed running or or playing nostalgic games or chasing high scores or uh, playing a role playing game and just getting lost in it. Uh, people people go in with. Um, different different kind of like hopes of the experience that they're going to get and certain games can like can kind of cross that experience um some people play games just to be just to be social with people some people play games because they they like to challenge themselves 
Um, some people play games because they like to have the challenge from someone else. And I, again, there's there, like that's only like the tip of the iceberg. But uh, I would say that we're, we're we we look at those different ways that people play games, and I and I do uh, particularly. And it, it's often the people around us and how they play games and what they're trying to get out of that gaming experience that I would say uh, influences us. Like I, I like to entertain. I like to entertain my friends. Uh, I think we all like to entertain each other and 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 be good company and if you're spending your time through a game doing that then seeing what your what your friends goals are how they want to be um how they want to spend their time or what they're trying to get out of it and what they're enjoying doing is 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 a huge influence on it um and that gets extended into like a virtual environment when you talk about like you 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 watch streamers and you watch and you communicate with friends or, you know, you, you team up and you're playing a game online and stuff like that and seeing how people react amongst that. Um, so yeah, massively our friends is a, it's a huge influence, uh, and our, <laughs> and our own, our own enjoyment, I guess, in some ways is, is can be extended to that, whether or not we're, you're, you're personally enjoying it, but, you know, we are a team of friends as well. So, uh, sharing, sharing content between ourselves and between friends and, and experimenting with new games that come out and, or already ex- existing franchises and and the the stories and, and analyzing why you why you enjoy playing that franchise or where you get from and then trying to see it from from other people's point of view and um, things along along those lines I would say that's that's our biggest influence is is what you have through for your friends and how they do how how they play yeah there it is just the the, the sheer joy of sharing joy with others and how they experience something you created. What what was a wonderful thing to be influenced by. Not not the content or the you know some other writer or film or something, which is also valid too. But what you've you know decided to grasp hold of is like, well what about those dopamine rushes? They're kinda of nice, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> we, exactly, yeah. Can, can we <laughs> Can we like sort of focus on that? Because uh, we really need them now. Really, 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 really need them more than disinfectant. <laughs> oh, sorry, politics. Anyway, <laughs> but no, wonderful response, and and it does show um, in Wavy the Rocket. It really does. It really does. Next question. I told you, you, you know, they, they, they get more difficult as they go. But here we go. What developer do you most admire in the industry? And why? Okay, well, I, I, I'm going to answer this one as a as a hundred percent from myself here because I, I oh yeah, I mean, this is a personal thing. You cannot answer yeah. it. And, no, that's, that'll be wrong. You will get angry yeah. emails from your colleagues. That'll be terrible. <laughs> no, go on, go. On. And I know I'm the only person on the team that would have this answer as well. So there we go. I'm I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Grinding Gear Games. Um, uh, they make uh, Path of Exile, which they do. Uh, I, I, I I play a lot of um, well I, I I play a lot of Path of Exile. I'd like to say I play a lot of action RPGs. I keep going back to Path of Exile. Um, so I I the the interesting thing about them is kind of ties back into how I said like I, you know I, I enjoy following communities even if I'm not not necessarily playing the game. They have been one that even when I don't play in their leagues, I like seeing how they handle their communication with their community, where they take their design from. Like they have such a Wizards of the Coast kind of do a similar sort of thing where they have like this core 
core mechanic and they're and they're just like mixing it up and finding ways that they can chew on it in a different way and um i i feel like uh wizards of the coast have a little bit more design space with uh, uh magic the gathering um compared to path of exile because at the, at the end of the day it's path of exile you're you're playing an ARPG, you're going to go destroy these monsters and you're going to do it very quickly. Um, but they they still come up with uh, great new ideas and the speed that they come up with those ideas and then present them and how transparent they are with the community about like, okay, you're going to have your communication on this day and uh, we're sorry or here's our design posi- uh, uh, decisions and no, we're not sorry for having these design decisions and we disagree with the community and, and, and stuff. Um, and we have reasons for that. There's there's things that they that they have taken on as developers and said uh, they they want it to be a certain way just because this is this is how they have they it's core to the experience of the game even if it's not something that people enjoy doing. Um, and I and I and I and I really I respect that and I and I and I like that because I actually believe it a lot as well. I think sometimes there's once you get too efficient or or too much accessibility inside a game. Then you 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 start to you can go the other you can go the other way where it's no longer as engaging. Like people are spending their time doing something and they they need to be doing doing a certain activity in order to be able to appreciate other activities and, and stuff like that. Is a I, I guess a very broad headline and and they aren't afraid to have that discussion with their community about it, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean I know a lot of people who you know, get ready for your glass, everyone. I'm about to say it. Um, in World of Warcraft, for example, stop it. See, they put the drink down. I haven't finished. Um, <laughs> is um, the fact that many people just saw the code. They saw the woman with the red dress. There you go, Matrix reference. Another drink. Um, so yeah, don't listen to this show. Be paralytic. But ultimately, you're right. You just see the mechanics. Then you just see two spreadsheets fighting each other, and therefore it becomes ceases to be what it was supposed to be. And it becomes so diluted that you then just walk away because you can just see too much. Um, and Path of Exile is a triumph, absolute triumph of a game. Uh, and the fact that it's free to play boggles my mind. Exactly. What, it, what it, like their their monetary scheme is is incredible as well. I I, I do. I'm a big fan of of GGG. Definitely. <laughs> like. Yeah. No, no. Good shout. And I just love showing people the skill tree. Look at that. Mm. What's that? That's the skill tree. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a, it, it's a circuit diagram. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you if you like your if you want to go turn it, create a mage thief paladin, go knock yourself out. Exactly. You can do yeah. that. You can do that. Yes, good shout, good shout. It's been too long since I played that. I need to get back into that. And it's all the consoles now as well. Even less of an excuse not to play it. So. I know it's on Xbox One. I'm not sure if it's on PS4. I think it is on PS4, but anyway. doesn't matter. It's just, I, yeah, I think it yeah, is. I think yeah. it is. But, um, yes. Last question of the first half. And it is this. Uh, it's a show about video games, and therefore I have to ask this question of you, sir. What are you playing right now? Apart from Path of Exile. <laughs> I'm actually not playing Path of Exile. I'm, 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 I'm kind of. I did play a little bit of this league, but I'm sitting it out. Uh, well, we, we've only a few days ago we released, uh, we released Wave of the Rocket on on Steam, and you know there is a there is a huge amount of work that kind of goes up to that. So, um, I, I didn't, I didn't commit the same amount of hours for this league. So, I've actually been playing um, something. I, you know, 
relatively new, as in, you know, I haven't played these games for, for a while, and one of them is new. I've been playing uh, Dota and uh, Final Fantasy XIV, um, and, I, and, I, and I was thinking to myself about why, why am I playing these games at the moment, and um, I kind of work two jobs getting, getting uh, Wavy the Rocket out and my day job um, to, to get it to that point, so there wasn't a lot of downtime that I had combined with um, the current pandemic that's going on means that people aren't seeing each other anymore, uh, or at least not as much. And uh, I think I picked up playing Dota and, and Final Fantasy XIV uh, so that I could have uh, some online experiences with a lot of my friends um, where you, you know, I'm not, I'm not going down to the pub at the moment and hanging out and, <laughs> and stuff. So I think having that, having just having that forum, I'm, I'm not there to win matches. I'm not there to, I'm not there to, to, um, to, to play the game specifically. I'm actually there to, to spend some time with some friends in, 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 in an environment that I think they're playing. So if they were playing something different, I think that then I would be playing something different, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I'm playing at the moment. I will also say that I am actually really looking forward to sink my feet, uh, my teeth into um, like a nice, a nice RPG. Uh, shortly, I'm, I'm, I'm planning to line one up now that, now that the game's out. I'm, maybe I'll, I'll uh, get some DLC for The Witcher or something like that, and and and, and enjoy it. Yeah, great, uh, great selection. You're right. When you have that disconnection, suddenly with friends that you knew or no, I should say, and then all of a sudden you can't meet them face to face. You've got to talk about something. I mean, there was a time for a while where my group of friends, we had this go-to game, that, not online, it was, maybe there's a relevance to this, but um, Team team Manager Blood Bowl was our favourite card game. It's really ridiculous drafting game, which is actually hideously out of balance, but still terrific fun. And we would know, we knew this game so well. That it was a, it was a, we would just have chats while we were playing it, and every now and again, he go, "We do that for what? That's not going to work, is it? How is that going to benefit you?" That's the only time we ever talked about the game. Like, well, yeah, but it annoys Matt. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then Matt, would be, what? 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 <laughs> what? Yeah, how does that benefit you? Well, <laughs> so I, you know. Yeah, I know the feeling. Like, no, we play. We be my friends. We'd usually be playing stuff like um, EDH on uh, in Magic: The Gathering, um, which again is a multiplayer format, and <laughs> that would just be an excuse for us to hang out and play some cards and, it's right, yeah. and have a chat. But it's harder to do now online. So yes, <laughs> we're it's very, very, very hard to do. So I completely understand where you're coming from on that. Playing Dota and playing an MMO, whatever it may be, it could be anything. Um, it uh, it just brings you together because you you're just shitballing basically, and that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Right. That's the end of the first half. Well done. You did it. Uh, let's move on to the second half of the show, where we delve deep. Wavy the rocket.
show. First question, as making listeners know, isn't really a question, it's a request. In your own words, Martin, please tell us, what is Wavy the Rocket? So, uh, Wavy the Rocket is a precision side-scroller, and um, it's... I'm going to say one thing up front. I'm going to describe the mechanics in it and explain what they are. And it's because it's a little bit abstract. Um, and this is a podcast. I don't have the visual aids to to, to, to demonstrate it, but I'll, I'll I'll describe them anyway to as best I can. If you're if you're only listening, um, in Wave of the Rocket, the reason we call it Precision Side Scroller is because what you're doing is you're to get the character through a a, like a, a gauntlet. Sorry, Martin, could you uh, tell it again? Because Discord suddenly glitched out on us. Oh, sorry, uh, could you? I'm so sorry, but it just you just no you just vanished. The, the, the from internet from, the, from is, the beginning. Yeah, the, the internet's really struggling, so I'm finding this a lot with interviews at the moment. I'm so sorry, but could you? Yeah, no once again from the top. So sorry. No worries. Um, so, uh, Wavy the Rocket is a precision side scroller. And um, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be a little bit cheeky and preface this that it, it is a lot easier to explain if someone can if if you visually look at it and I'm aware that this is a podcast so I'm gonna do my best to describe it um, but if it doesn't quite click with anyone if you if you do look it up online you it, it makes a lot more it should make a lot more sense uh, we call it precision side scroller because um, we don't it, it's hard to fit into into a lot of genres, even though it feels most like playing a, a precision platformer. And what you're actually doing in it, and the reason why it, it, it's a bit it's a bit different than those is you're manipulating a sine wave um, to guide the character through like a dangerous gauntlet. It's kind of like getting, getting to the end of the level. And what you do when you manipulate the sine wave is you're adjusting the wavelength and amplitude of the sine wave. So you have two axes that you control the sine wave on. Um, and that will... And the character itself is constantly oscillating through a waveform in just over just over three seconds. So the character is constantly moving. However, you can change where the wave, uh, like the like effectively like the size of the wave, and because the player is constantly moving at the same speed through the waveform, when you make a bigger wave, for example, they will move through the play space at a faster speed. Um, and so what we have is a bunch of. Uh, dynamic and, and static obstacles that Wavy is trying to make his way through. And you will, you will in, in this process of trying to manipulate the sine wave and, uh, and get the right movements to, to get him through these, through these play space, you're, you're going to crash a lot. And that's where it starts to feel like a modern indie platformer is because you will, you will crash a lot as you try and learn the tricks that you're going to need to do to, to, and the, and the maneuvers you're going to have to pull off um to get through that play space uh the other the other mechanic you have is a dash button which is uh refuelable it has three charges um that you can use to quickly reposition yourself uh in the in the in the play space as well uh so it can be used to you know if you chain a bunch of dashes together you'll move in a straight flat line for for a period of time and you can forward dash and back dash um as well as uh Move your move your sine wave around. Um, the game itself is set to a '90s inspired kind of uh, cartoon uh, esque and '90s game 
theme that we've gone for gone for you, you hopefully it'll feel it'll feel a little bit nostalgic without actually being a nostalgic game if you if you look at a lot of the a lot of the art in there uh with a uh g-funk and hip-hop inspired soundtrack um and yeah cartoon villains and you're you're on a quest with wavy to um put the fizz back in soda his favorite soda has had uh, the fizz taken out of it, and that leads him into a into a bigger adventure across the galaxy. Yeah, it's very Voodoo Vince vibe. Nicely done. Uh, I, I felt that uh, those 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 third person action adventures of old from the, the early two thousands and the late nineties they were very short lived, but they were fun for the most part. Uh, and uh, things like you know Psychonauts is also a little bit that in there as well. I think. Um, yeah. Definitely that kind of thing that was prevalent at the time. Not so much now, for reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we, we, we kind of describe it like it's it gives a retro feel without without using pixel graphics kind of thing. Like, yeah, 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 that's fine. That's fine. It's good. And I love telling people, like, oh, yeah, oh, it's, it's, like, it's like a SNES game. No, it's not, because a SNES would grunt to a halt within 20 seconds. If you tried <laughs> to do dead cells, it would explode. It would explode and melt your face if you tried to do that. It, it really can't. They can't. So shush. Lots of animation there. Loads and loads of frames of animation. That's why they're so fluid. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Dead Cells. We're here to talk about Wavy the Rocket. And first detailed design question. Brace yourself. Yeah. I want to ask about the dash and the reverse dash. You didn't mention um, the act of going back rather than constantly going from left to right, uh, which is a very powerful thing to do, but also can get you in terrible trouble as well. Um, how do they come into existence? Why are they there? I think I know why, but please tell. And also, why is there a limited amount of them? Fairly obvious that one, but yeah, go on. Okay, so um, the I, I think this is quite interesting because again, you 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 actually you you played the game in a, in one of its earlier iterations where you didn't have the option of being able to go backwards, no, um, no. and you didn't have the option of being able to backdash. So that, that's that's why you're you're asking about these. It was always it was traditionally always a forward facing game, um, and then and then we we added in uh, these abilities to to go back and, and backdash. The game itself is quite challenging, as I say. Like you'll 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 crash a lot in it. You will there will there's a huge amount of trial and error, um, and we found that when we included the options for people to escape out their path, because bear in mind like you're always moving. When you when you plays when you plays wavy, so if you line up your wave and you get yourself into a bad cycle, you are going to have a harder time going through the level. Um, so if you approach into an obstacle in the in the wrong path and uh, you you end up crashing, um, there's not there's if it's if it's if you're constantly going forward, there's not a lot of options you can do to like pull yourself out of that. You just gotta you just gotta crash and retry. Um, We've, we we added those options in, which also opened up some of the design space we had, because now suddenly we have, you'll find them levels where you can go backwards and stuff, and there'll be things that when you go backwards, um, and uh, we can we can adjust the way that obstacles uh, are because they can require you to go around something and get under it and and go backwards. So it opened up a huge amount of design space for us, which was really good, um, but it also helped tackle some of the some of the challenge you have when you're. When it was originally like you would you would constantly just go forward and if you're constantly just going forward there's no opportunity for you to have a breather and pull your pull your wave into a a zero wavelength and just kind of bob up and down and give yourself a second to take in 
what the next challenge is that you have. And it's the same with the backdash. You know, once you're once you're dashing in one direction and you're able to move in another direction, we're gonna we're gonna backdash in in um in the other direction. It gives you a chance to pull out of something that's gonna obviously hit you or quickly reposition yourself. And we we think it's fair to go in both directions. So yeah, it, it, it gives us two two aspects in, in in regards to being able to move backwards, both design space and gives us uh, and helps tackle some of the frustration that can happen when when playing a game which is constantly moving and uh, you're you're crashing a lot. Um, so that was really good. People can help have a better chance to pace themselves, which is a, a huge huge plus plus in our books. Um, the actual there was a second part of that question. Which yeah, was, why is there a limited number of them? I mean, it's why is there a limit? Yeah, why do yeah, you have to it, recharge it? I mean, obviously, but yeah, you explain because it helps it, it, the there, listener understand the concept of the game. I think. Yeah, so there is a uh, there's a limited number of dashes, and you can pick up charges to it as you go for a level, mm-hmm. and that's because a lot of the play space is a puzzle environment. Um, so uh, we, you know, we kind of think of it like a bit like an action puzzler in some ways. Um, in the sense that you you have to figure out the movements that you need to do to get through them, and uh, dashes are very powerful, uh, particularly in open environments because they can just let you quickly cross a space without having to cross like through it with your wave because you can just move horizontally in a straight line um, and skip some things um, or skip the movements that you have to do when you're understanding how to manipulate the wave. Um, so there's a limited number of charges because that uh, restrictions are, are always good and we don't want people to just be too reliant on dashes. They're going to have to use dashes to be able to get through the game. Um, and uh, it also helps us with uh, reining in your ability to be able to uh, control like speed runs and high score chasing because our, our high score system is uh, really, really interesting, actually. It's really, it's really quite in-depth. Um, and, uh, we also designed speed running in from like, you know, from the very first level outside of the tutorial level, the very first level, there are speed run routes that we put in and there's, there's dash charges, put in certain places and little gaps that people can find, um, to be able to en- enable them to go in certain routes. And whenever you use a dash, it will offset your wave a little bit, which again is, 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 is a much more advanced move. So, um, we needed some, some way of. It's got to have some form of restriction around it because we do want speedrunning to be an aspect of the game and speedrunning individual levels as well as the actual whole campaign itself. There's different ways you could look to speedrun the campaign in comparison with just speedrunning levels. Um, so we, we, we put those in as a, as a, as a design and a, and a restriction from, from level one to make sure that we had a nice design space. If you're, if you're looking for a speedrunning route, you can't just line yourself up and just dash all the way to the end. You've got to you've got to know when you want to use them to set your wave up into the right oscillation to get over a certain certain obstacle as well. Yeah. Yeah, I suspect that was the case. I, my, my my point was just that you'll end up just hammering the space bar or whatever controller you're using and just sort of like shifting around the place and ignoring the waves. And it's like, oh, it's a bit rubbish. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, well you you might not know this, but um and because not a lot of people pick it up the first time, but if you if you go into one of the mini game levels that we have, mm. uh, you get you get infinite dashes there because right. it's oh, confined okay. confined environment. So if you do want to mess around with infinite dashes, you can do it in <laughs> mini games. Nice. <laughs> Second question. Here we go. I believe this is an observation I've found when I've been playing uh, Wavy Rocket is that there is a kind of a sweet spot 
and knowing where Wavy the Rocket is versus where Wavy the Rocket is going to be. Um, have you managed to design levels to ensure the player can see this point and react to it within a reasonable amount of time? It is uh, a lot of it is to do with playtesting, I right. would say. Um, there is a, there isn't like a, there, there is like an understanding when we, when, when we've been designing levels in terms of like opening it up and stuff, like you, you, there's different ways that you could look at designing a level in Wavy. Sometimes it's just running a, running a certain pattern and saying, right, well, we'll design around this pattern. Um, but most of the time is coming up with a concept or a particular maneuver that we want people to, uh, learn or, or practice or overcome. And so we we build that in, and then we will um, uh, test around whether or not that's that's acceptable, whether or not the lesson gets across to people, and uh, open that space up. Uh, we're very conscious that you know, particularly at the beginning of the game, when you're when you're first learning the controls, you're you're right. It is a it is a it is a learning curve that you will have where you suddenly go, oh wait, when I adjust the wave that moves where. Wavy is, and so there's very few few deadly environments at the beginning of the game. Like when we, you know, you look at the first level, it might be something that encourages you to grow the wave, um, and you're actually you're actually in a contained space. So it's very clear that oh wait, when I tried to grow the wave, I suddenly crashed into the wall. So it's a it's it's something that people have to balance and and take into consideration. When you get to the higher end of the levels, we're really, we're really actually kind of like taking advantage of that. Where it'll be like someone will see a, an obstacle and go, "Well, we need to get over that." So I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to start growing my wave or something like that, and then we'll, we'll purposely have things in the way for them to crash against, and kind of leaning more into that kind of like puzzle element uh, where if they're not paying attention and they're not conscious and they're not familiar enough with the controls, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're they're gonna they're gonna uh, crash and have to. Um, retry that segment and take that lesson away with them but we we certainly ramp up that that lesson as you kind of go through go through the game yeah i just love the fact that it's like wait it's not the it's not wavy i should be worrying about or where the is it's where they're going it's the line yeah it's the line yeah. to a point because what happens is oh. if you do that if you focus too much on the line, your focus actually drifts and the wave of the rocket becomes on your periphery. Don't let that happen. Because if you do, your periphery is nowhere near as good at seeing detail as actual focus, of course. And it's quite likely that you change the waveform to avoid the obstacle that wavy has yet to appear at. But unfortunately, you've changed the waveform Causing him to collide into something <laughs> that he was something else. Yeah. There's something else. It's like because <sighs> the waveform has changed in real time, and it's, yes, it's yes, and he's always he's always going through that waveform. As soon yep. as you increase or shrink the waveform, you're mm -hmm. actually changing his current position, even though you're planning for an object ahead. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll say the I'll say the other thing in terms of like learning that or practicing that in terms of where getting the getting the position of the waveform and it's, it's quite important in terms of design uh was that we have the placement of what are called worlds which are just collectibles they're like coins and stuff that you that you get in games um they're just there to they're well they they serve a purpose when you look at like particularly looking at getting high score runs but they also give a 
kind of like a safe route is 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 some way like a safe position or a safe waveform that you can that you can put your wave into to try and teach you like match up your wave against these collectibles and you'll you'll safely go through and so the first half of the game includes it has a lot of that sort of environment of a string of collectibles showing in a nice flowing wave and a way that you can that you can you can pick those up and we um we end up changing that towards the later half of the game um where suddenly collectibles become a little bit more dangerous to collect uh, and those those worlds uh, aren't are still can be you know you can still collect a lot of them and get get your hit off chaining them all together but um they're going to require some more advancements yeah and it's it basically it's the racing line of wavy the rocket that's what you're talking about and that's yeah. that's fine yeah, some, yeah it's like, yeah, yeah they, it is the it's just like when you have Forza and stuff and some people turn it on and then eventually turn it off because they realize they're they're a slave to it and they should they should know how to take a corner by now um yes. slow the hell well, down we, we take it away eventually <laughs> of course exactly <laughs> slow down what slow in slow out that's how it works and whereas um with um and it's more to it than that positioning as well but let's not go there um but then there's of course uh, in wavy the rocket it's uh well your line really the sine wave really should be here good idea so well one thing you and i haven't mentioned yet let's just do this now because i did have a question but i'm going to change it because i think it's it's a bit it's a bit aesthetics i think um so speed wavy he or he or she sorry they change speed depending on the aperture or the the, where they go up and down the wave why Sorry, you can you can you repeat that re- repeat that question? Sure, sure. You were cutting out a bit. I was cutting out a bit. Okay. So, um, next question. Um, there's a variance in speed of wavy to rocket, depending on where they are and the slope and angle within the sine wave. Why did you do that? So that is um, there isn't. That is to just that is uh, mainly to do with wavy constantly moving at the same speed and the 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 angle that you're at when you go through it. You will naturally because there is more distance when you get to a curve compared to when you go for a slope, mm. like going through the center of the play space. Um, that will uh, that you will travel faster during that time. I hope I get this right. Really, it's really more of a question for Rob because it was something that we were talking about. We actually this came up when we were discussing a level and a certain technique in terms of dashing, dashing constantly, and it was it was mentioned how it's easier at the beginning and the end because you're you're not traveling as fast once you go through the middle. And I believe the reason is 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 just due to the the distance that you're covering when you're going around a curve. You're actually going the same distance, but you'll spend more more time in that play space there compared to when you're uh, going through the center when it's when it's uh, straighter. Again, I I hope I've got that right. I'm sure I will. Uh, if I do, if I don't, Rob will send me a message. Yeah, that's me fine. I just find it because there's one level or several levels or on the earlier ones. Um, you actually find yourself uh, on a chase. I don't know what it is, but you have to do something before something else happens. So you're basically on a speed run on a forced, you know, timed yeah. attack kind of thing. You have to do this within a certain time, or it will fail, and you'll you'll die a horrible death. Um, so I just found that when you understood 
the 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 interaction of space time you know how far the the wavy the rocket has to move or what speed they're going at is vital absolutely vital yes. and uh it's it's yeah it's very important that so um yeah so, so we, we we had a few crunch points uh through through the game in terms of like design points where we we, we kind of had to make a decision where we're like well we need players to start learning these lessons otherwise they're not going to get to the point that they have and when you talk about uh one of the things what we found when we were playtesting is a lot of people are very scared to go quickly because they don't feel like they're in so much control when they go through it and so the when you talk about those chase environments uh particularly early on and how you're learning lessons in them that's that's a little bit deliberate in the sense that we're we wanted people to learn that they can go fast and it will be it'll be okay and how fast they can actually go once they start getting into the rhythm of it um so it it is a bit of a it, it, it has become a point that people are are learning at, and people people always mention. Um, however, that that was the reasoning behind it in terms of we needed a way to teach people to extend their wave and go faster. A lot of people we would find sometimes would um, take one obstacle at a time rather than trying to like flow between the obstacles and and take them fast. Um, so we're yeah. we're we're. we're yeah. In Wavy the Rocket, there is a point where the player overcomes all the intricacies that we've been discussing with the controls. They get to a point of zen. They can actually place Wavy the Rocket wherever and whenever they like, on any level. Um, and it, I've seen it happen, it can can be done, and it does. people just get it. They really, just like a D-pad, they realise that actually, I've got this, I know exactly where everything is. When a player reaches that point, and I know it does happen, what have you done with Wavy the Rocket to make sure that the challenge, which is still there, remains to those people like that? Okay, the challenge, the challenge is is definitely still there. Uh, we we we've uh, like we've we've spent a lot of hours playing the game ourselves, and so we know we know how it is, and it's very much like. I would say when you're designing a platformer, you're asking players to chain together what we consider to be complex mo- complex moves, like um, knowing how to reposition yourself or grow yourself, uh, grow you know, grow at certain points in the wave. If you if you think about um, if you're going on a very short wave, and uh, because wavy, going back to what we mentioned earlier, when you adjust the wave, wavy will move in real time. And making and restricting that positioning of where, uh, how much time you have to be able to set up your wave for cutting over, for getting over, under, or through an obstacle, and then chaining those bits and pieces together. Um, we've so that's that's one aspect. We you know we the the play space becomes a little bit more busier, um, and we ask more from the players in terms of chaining together things. Um, we also um, start to move away from you'll find in the first first chapter is pretty much completely um, static objects and then we move to dynamic objects there's a, there's a couple of dynamic objects just to introduce the idea uh, early on but you you end up moving into environments which are um, constantly moving and there's a lot of moving moving 
bits and pieces uh, not, uh, that are going on. And you're not only having to judge the, the speed that you're moving and where you're going to move to and how moving the wave will move you when you're doing those actions, but you're also having to judge the timing of the obstacles that are moving around as well. Um, so there's a, there's definitely an aspect of increasing the amount of, um, dynamic, dynamic dangers inside the, inside the environment, um, and, uh, reducing the amount of, uh, or reducing or in actually increasing the amount of dangers that, that, that players have. So that's in terms of how we kind of like continually challenge the player. Um, we also look for, if you want to talk about someone that feels like they are, you know, they are, they are Zen, they're Neo, they can see for the matrix and, and know how to know how to manipulate everything. And they're, and they're crushing each of the levels. Uh, we have, as I say, there's also the opportunity for players to take on uh, high score chasing and speed running but also uh, what we consider grandmaster levels, which are where we take an idea and we just dial it up to 11. Um, like whole moving world, like whole moving play spaces of, of pipes and bees and uh, dangerous things and forcing, <laughs> like turning it up to a ridiculous amount um, to that are that can only be unlocked if you if you meet the right criteria during the during the campaign environment. So we we wanted to give some more slightly challenging levels that are not part of the when I sorry not slightly challenging very challenging levels very difficult levels that are not part of the the main campaign for those that are interested in them, uh, as well as offering play space uh, or or design space uh, for for people that are interested in figuring out the best speed runs and high score chasing. Uh, and if they're just playing, if you're just talking about the difficulty in the campaign, well, a lot of it is reducing the space, um, and, uh, increasing the amount of moving objects that people have to track and, 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 and take care of. Um, I do say increasing the amount of like dynamic objects. One thing I will point out, which we find quite uh, amusing within the, within the team itself is that one of the most challenging levels is a level that has no moving objects, but there's very little space. It is just a sea of green spikes that want to want to destroy Wavy and not let him through. And you have very little very little room for error as you weave and almost crawl your way through it, an exceptionally deadly environment. Um, which is it, it kind of makes sense. Like if you if you look at a a platformer game. A lot of platforming games, like particularly like modern indies, will will have a will have a mechanic where um, actual player itself has an has like an environmental uh, object that they if they touch they die they instantly die and so it's a it's like a, a a place that they might be able to touch once and then they'll be dead if they ever touch it again. Um, Wave of the Rocket has a is a particular challenge where every every play space there's no ground that you can stand on while you're doing something. Your your ground is the open space. So as we increase the amount of environment, the amount of pipes and stuff in there, um, we're we're reducing the amount of safe space that the player has um, because any surface they touch, they will it is uh, forces them to crash. So uh, usually that's a mechanic that's used inside platformers where they make like in more environments. Or touching it, touching a wall, touching a touching a, a, a ceiling, or 
or a thing like that, uh, instant death with spikes and, and things like that, that's how they increase it by reducing that safe environment. We, we do the same, but we're just closing it in because the actual, the, there is no, like, there is nothing safe that you can touch besides pickups. Right. Yeah. Basically, you touch anything except glowing things that are nice and glowy that are spiky. Yeah, go for it. Uh, um, but uh, there's also the leaderboards as well. There's that whole sort of false challenge, like I've got to beat my friend. Yes, yeah, there's, there's, you can, there's, you can there's, check there's out your that. friend's times and, and yeah. stuff and, and, yeah. and challenge them to it and, and things. So. Yeah, but uh, yeah, well, there it is. Wavy the Rocket uh, by Upper Room Games. Uh, the name of the company, by the way, where did that come from? Um, I didn't actually know this until a, a bit later. The the name of the company came from, I believe, um, uh, Rob's uh, Wi-Fi Wi-Fi name <laughs> uh, was, was, was Upper Room. Um, but I I I actually when I was in uh, at university, I was uh, I used to play a lot of games in a in a household, like you know, a shared house. And the upper room of that house was where we had like our LAN parties and everything. And so. I, I always loved the name because it always reminded me of my my university years in in playing in playing video games in a in a LAN environment on the top room of the house. Um, so uh, I never I never had any qualms with let's, it. Let's let's go with both. One's yeah. a Wi-Fi name, and yeah. one and the other is actually a fond memory from Student Land, which is yes. many eons ago now. I'm afraid, uh, especially for me because back then everything was in Latin. No, it wasn't. That's not fair. But it may as well have been. But um, no, no, excellent stuff. Yes, yeah, sorry, Wave of the Rocket. It's out on Windows PC as we speak. Uh, and uh, yeah, do check it out. There are two forms of controls, by the way. You can use Control Pad or, for beginners especially, really highly recommend the mouse and keyboard. Honestly, yeah, you'll thank me. Definitely, for it. definitely experiment <laughs> with the with the control schemes and see what works for you. Um, yeah, different people take the different control schemes. Yeah, the, the key phrase being precision. Like, I play Doom using mouse and keyboard. Why? Because it's Doom, <laughs> and also that game demands it. You know, it's just that's what I'm saying. And you need all to be the, accurate. yeah, you need to be accurate to shoot the faces off those demons if you can find the face. Anyway, yes, but uh, yeah, wavy the rocket. Wavy the rocket. Check it out. It's fantastic following this game for many years uh first saw in res it looks nothing looks nothing like it does now and uh, it's great uh, i've seen evolution of a game from a a spark of an idea more or less to like basically a wave a sine wave no less and then manipulating <laughs> that sine wave i mean why then what happens if you just put something on it and see what happens well this this is what happens wavy the rocket um martin's yeah. been fantastic having you on the show thank you very very yeah, thank much you. Yeah, it's been great. And uh, you're more than welcome to come back as a return guest, for we have many return guests. uh, And we will be here when you've got something new, whatever that may be. But thank you. Yeah, I'd love to. Definitely. It's been fun. And we're done. I'm going to hit start recording now. Sorry for all the interruptions and stuff. That's all right. Don't worry. Yeah. (laughs) I was. Sorry. No, it's all right. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, canonrince.com.